Welcome back to the Tape Store, everyone. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. We were made in the 80s. And played in the 90s. And we are back. Uh, back in Georgia. Yes. We spent a week with uh, our favorite co-host, Jeff. Yes. Yeah. It was the first time we had seen him, or at least I had seen him. Right. In 10 years. Um, and I think the last time we had seen him, let's see, we we weren't long married. No. Uh, we Well, we, I was pregnant with Yossi. Okay. So about three years in. Yeah. 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 And so it was a very emotional, yeah, uh, uh, you know, meeting. Yeah, I I did film it. I haven't posted it anywhere. No, but I did film Toby and Jeff reuniting for the first time, yes. and there were tears. Yes, there were. It was beautiful. It was. <laughs> we love you, Jeff. Yeah, we do, and we had a great time, and we are back, um, back in Georgia. Back in the tape store. Yes, the tape store home. You tape know, store headquarters. HQ, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> To talk about another 90s movie. One of my very close personal favorites. Yes. And what is it? It is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yes. The the Disney version. Absolutely. Yeah. And I had... You introduced me to this movie. Yes. I was like... You know, I feel like, I feel like people like us... I say us because I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're this type of person as well. You have like a starter pack of... Movies you have to watch if you want to get with me. Like if there was a Spice Girl right. song for if you want to get with me, you gotta watch my movies. And this yes, is perfect. One, <laughs> this is one of the my starter pack. If yeah. you want to understand me, watch this movie. Right. And now this movie was released uh, June twenty first, nineteen ninety six. Yes. Now I was uh, fifteen, about to turn sixteen, and I had you know I was in that stage where I had. I guess in my mind, yeah, grown out of watching the Disney movies, um, and now like I'm like, how could I've ever grown out of it? You I know. know. I, well, but, you know, you grow but, up and you realize you're still a kid. Yeah, you do. You grow up <laughs> and you realize you're still a kid. But you know, there is this time when you start to kind of think, I'm not a kid anymore. Yes. Oh yeah, and, and, for and, sure. And and you get rid of your toys. And yeah. You and get then rid you of, regret everything. Right. And then you get rid of your video game consoles. And yeah. then you know, here you are, and you're in your late 20s or your 30s or you know, 40s, whatever. And you're like, oh gosh, I wish I still had. <laughs> what was I doing? I wish I still had my Sega Genesis. I wish I still had my Super Nintendo, my yes. Nintendo. I wish I still had all the toys. You know, and you know, that's really what the tape store has been all about for Absolutely. us is, is getting that back. Absolutely. Totally. You know? Reclaiming our childhood. Yeah. So. And this movie, see, I was about ten, nine or ten when this came out. Yeah. So I was like the target audience. Right. Even and though, as we're going to discuss, this really isn't much of a kid's movie. No. To be No, honest. definitely not. But, um, yeah, I think that, you know, I was in that time when I was, you know. Like, whatever. I don't like cartoons. Right. Right. Yeah. Which was, if I could go back and tell my 15, 16-year-olds, I'd like, no, stay involved. Stay involved. <laughs> stay with it. <laughs> stay with it. At any rate, I was able to watch and appreciate and love this movie through Brooke. Yes, you're welcome. And, of course, was able to watch it again in preparation for the show. And, yeah, so, uh, again, 1996, you know, and, and uh, this was, it was about to be the Olympics in Atlanta. Oh, was it? Yeah. The, the, see, 96, Atlanta, the Centennial Olympics. Yeah. yeah I, now, I remember that So, this movie's well 25 well. years old. Yeah, 25 years old. Golly, yeah. that hurts to say a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's directed by Gary Trousdale and Kirk Wise. And again, you know, Trousdale, I don't know if I'm saying, you know, if I butcher anybody's name, please forgive me. It's because I don't know these people personally. Right, we're not we're not friends. <laughs> yeah, uh, Gary Trousdale and Kirk Wise. Alan Menken did the music. Yes, phenomenal. Probably the, yeah, I'd say probably the best. So good. This, this, this score is like, I know someone mentioned it when we posted about it on Instagram, yeah. like the, 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 the score is just... I mean, get out of here. It's just so good. Every, every movie he does, he gets better with the score. 
and, and I could be mistaken, but it seems like nowadays the thing they do, and it's not bad. Nowadays, the thing they do with Disney movies is they they get uh, different artists and different people to mm-hmm. do different films. Like we had um, for Tarzan, for instance, which we've not done, and we will. Oh, oh uh, yeah, that's going to have its own fanfare, right? Phil Collins. Oh my gosh, get right. out of here! And he didn't have to go as hard as he did on right. that movie, and he right. did. And now, um, let's see. More recently, with Moana, you had Lin Manuel Miranda. Which I mean, he's a composer, right. so like I mean, it's fair. What I'm saying is, is that they're 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 going to different people. What I'm saying is, back in the '90s is the point I'm trying to get at. Yeah. And by the way, I love Lin Manuel Miranda. Oh gosh, yeah. And the music for Moana is fantastic. Uh, I, I just want to say that it seemed in the '80s and '90s, Alan Menken was doing it all. Alan Menken, Stephen Schwartz. Yeah. Um. There's a, there's another big one that I'm I'm forgetting. Yeah. But Alan Menken, because he did Beauty and the Beast, if mm-hmm. I'm correct. Um, yes, he did. I can't remember who did Aladdin, but like uh, it's. I mean, they those guys kind of dominated '90s Disney. Yeah, and now and, 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 it just we, seems, and there were. I have no regrets. And now they, they, I think they go to certain artists for certain. And right. you know, I love that too. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm just simply saying this was the state of the time back yeah. then. You know, Pixar did it for a little bit with Randy Newman. He was yeah, the, they did. He, he was the Pixar guy. Yeah, he did Toy Story, Bugs Life. Right. Um. Yeah, several of them. Um. But yeah, so Alan Menken did the music, and I have to talk about that because you know. The music is phenomenal in this. Yes. Uh, and it's starring, I'll try to get past this first guy, <laughs> uh, Tom Hulse. Oh, who what a gem. I wish we... I want to be friends with him. I want to be friends with him, but I, I, I wish he had been so much more prolific in films. Yeah, but, absolutely. You know, he, he's done a lot of stuff. He has, yeah. But he's done a lot of stuff also. He's a, he's a big... Uh, was stage? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's big on stage. People may know him most from Amadeus. He yeah. played Mozart. Yeah, he played. And and if you've seen that movie, you know it's incredible. Right. And he's incredible. Yes. In his performance. Absolutely. He and he's still very involved. He's won a Tony. Uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for Amadeus, uh, but he lost to uh, F. Murray Abraham, who played uh, Salieri. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I. Well, I mean, they were both. It, they both, were both great, but mm. I know it's hard. Um, I just it, don't know so, about that one. <laughs> uh, I would have, I would have picked Hulse. Tom Hulse is one of my favorite guys that I just don't see enough of. I feel that way about uh, Timothy Hutton. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, who he was in that TNT. Um, now Tim, Tim Timothy Hutton's in a lot of stuff, but he oh, was yeah. he was in that TNT original series, uh, Leverage. But he was in. Uh, he was in the haunting of Hill House. The haunting of That's Hill what House. We most recently saw him in, and we fell in I'm love like, with him where, all over again. Where are you? Uh, he you broke know, our hearts. What are you doing, Timothy Hutton? He broke. Where are you? Our hearts. <laughs> right, but he's great, is what I'm saying. Yeah. But sorry, that's not '90s. No, no. But Tom <laughs> Hulse, uh He also uh, was in Parenthood. Was one of his memorable roles. He plays Larry Buckman, one of the kind of the wayward son. Right. Had a right. gambling problem. He's great in that. He's. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I wanted the movie Stranger Than Fiction to be about. He's in like ten minutes of it. He's in. Oh, he's, I, I the only think he's in like thirty seconds of it. He's so funny. He has one scene in Stranger Than Fiction. It's a Will Ferrell film, uh, and he plays. I think like the HR or the counselor. It's like the mid two thousands that just came out. Uh, you just need to watch the scene. Right. Just if just you're listening, bookmark this. If you're listening, just look up Tom Hulse Stranger Than Fiction and watch him in this scene with Will Ferrell. <laughs> He's phenomenal. He's so effortless. He's so great. So he is. We love him. Yeah. So is he's what is what we're saying. All this yeah. is to say we are big Tom Hulse fans. We love Tom Hulse. Anything I can find with him, <laughs> I, I want to see. Amadeus is phenomenal. Yeah. Parenthood's a good movie, and he's good in that. And watch his little cameo in Stranger Than Fiction, which is also a good movie. It is. Um, it is. We also starring Demi Moore, uh, 
who is which great. is another '90s icon. Yeah. Well, really, this movie's filled with '90s icons. Yeah, yeah, she's obviously. Great. Loved her. Uh, she's in one of my favorite '90s movies, which is uh, A Few Good Men. Mm-hmm. So she's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Tony J, Kevin Klein, awesome, we, amazing. We, yeah, right. Uh, Paul Kendall, Charles Kimbrough, Jason Alexander, and Jason Mary Alexander. Wick. Yeah. Who is uh, Costanza? Yes, <laughs> George Costanza and Mary Wicks, and we'll we'll get into who these people play right. and this that and the other. Right. But, um, yeah. So so I need to talk a little bit about the fanfare of this for me before we get into the movie. Sure. Go ahead. So when it came out. I okay so if those of you who don't follow us on Instagram and don't know maybe what we look like because we don't post a lot of pictures of ourselves really um but I am uh I'm biracial so my skin is brown right so Disney Prince what kind of biracial oh I am I'm half white and half black my dad is black my mom is white yeah so lots of Disney princesses are historically white I don't have an issue with this at all everything's great however when they started coming out with with female protagonist that had skin like me yeah, it's as very, a child i freaked out no, it's important it's like princess jasmine freaked out pocahontas freaked out esmeralda though hit different yeah i i was obsessed with her i saw this movie and as we're gonna get into like i said it is incredibly intense yeah it is very intense it's really like it should be just people in it right but it's a cartoon um, but I loved it, even yeah. though it scared me. And I did dance on the street for coins like Esmeralda as a child. Yeah. I won. I did get 75 cents. Uh-huh. You're welcome. And when it was, you know, being broadcasted in like stores and stuff, it was because yeah. it came out in June, like you said. Yes. And all the back to school stuff was Hunchback of Notre Dame. And I remember walking into Target with my mom and seeing these banners hanging from the ceiling that had Phoebus and Esmeralda and Quasimodo, yes. and I was like, Mom, I need all the Hunchback stuff for back to school. So it's it's just such a 90s iconic memory for me, this yeah. movie, because it impacted me. One, because I was seeing myself represented on screen, but I loved her character. Her character was so good and pure and, and strove for justice. And yeah, it was brave. such a cool thing. Oh, we're brave, getting, gorgeous. Get yeah, out of here. We were getting further and further away from the Disney princesses that were simply there to meet a prince and right the kept woman right. that needs a man to save her no they're and standing up for yes. yeah they're heroes they're heroes in their own right yeah they're, they're, yeah they're also heroes along with the other male yes. protagonists and that i think just for, as important i mean pocahontas was time that that was that way too yeah she was she really was the hero yeah but esmeralda for me i don't know there's something about her that just i was like okay i officially identify with esmeralda yeah, so i loved it. With. loved it yeah. loved it um I love Quasimodo. Oh, he's just uh, just the sweetest heart. So, ever. And, and we'll get into that. Um, he's probably my favorite. I think, uh, yeah. like male protagonist in Disney is Quasimodo. I think he's I, he he overcomes just, so much uh, evil and yeah. is still such a sweetheart. Get I would out of here. put him up there with with any of them. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry, uh, I just had to say no, that part because once we get into it, I know we're going to be like that's why we're here. Getting uh, into it. so this um, the film is set in 1482. In Paris, France. Okay. But but before uh, we go back twenty years to fourteen sixty two, uh, we open in the sky uh, above the clouds. But well, let's let's go back. We haven't gone back to fourteen sixty two yet. Okay. Okay. But we open in the sky above the clouds and we descend into the city of Paris. Yes. To the song, uh, the bells of Notre Dame, which is the opening, insanely ridiculously beautiful song. Yeah. It's it's the and it's 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 the theme of the film. Yeah, it, this it, theme it, is it, is never ending. It the encases movie. the message of the film, which uh, I, I did 
type that out in the end. Uh, what makes a monster and what makes a man. Right. Uh, I think that that's the message for me. We'll get into that, obviously. Absolutely. But um, it bookends the story. You know, spoiler alert. We're going to hear the Bells of Notre Dame, the song, right. at the beginning and at the end. So it, it, it encases the story. It's very important. And it, it has the message. And, and, and we go into Paris, and we're invited into the story and guided through the story by a gypsy named Clopa. Clopin will tell you. Yeah. I, I was, I, you know, it, it's spelled C-L-O-P-I-N. But it's I was like, French. Clopin. <laughs> Get out of here, Georgia boy. It's just, it's hard to talk, like, it's hard to speak, like, English. And, and, and We and, can't speak a French accent, so it would right, terrible. And, and, and have that sound right. I right. was like, can I just say Clopin? And Brooke goes, no. <laughs> so Clopin. Because he says, Clopin will tell you. Yeah, Clopin. And I have a really good friend. Do you put the N on the end, or is it, ah. Uh, it's French. You don't okay. put the end on anything. Okay, all right. Well, you know? Uh, it's, yeah. So like Escargot. And, you don't say escargot. Right, it's true. You're right. I'm sorry. I, I, I just, yeah. I have a really good friend have, who was who asked me, who begged me to sing part of this, and I'm not going to. I love you, Allison, but I'm not going to do that. But um, because me and her geeked out over this movie in high school, even though we were too old for cool stuff. But this music is just incredible, and this opening song is just. We're gonna have to post some of it or something on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. It's just so good. And this is Paul Kandel. He plays Clopin, and he's great. He's, I love yeah, him. He's a gypsy, gypsy storyteller. He's got like a little booth, and he's like, and he's a talking puppet, to children. Yeah, he's got puppets. Yeah, and uh, he's telling the story to a group of children, and we're brought into the story that he's telling the children. He's the, talking about the city of Paris. Yeah, the city of Paris, and then he focuses in on the mysterious bell ringer uh, of the Church of Notre Dame. Uh, the song slash story uses a lot of religious themes uh, because Obviously, then, yeah. because he's taking us back twenty years. This is where he says the story starts twenty years before. In 1462, uh, where we see the church led by the Minister of Justice, Claude Frollo. Yeah, Judge Claude Frollo. Yeah, Judge Claude Frollo. He is our, as you said, probably one of the worst he, uh, villains. And I'm gonna, I'll bring this up probably all throughout the episode, but um, there are a lot of Disney villains. Yeah. So many, and especially now that you know more Disney movies yeah. have come out. He is actually the worst. Yeah, he's actually me. the worst. Like, like the worst one ever. Right. Yeah, and and, and uh, we're going to talk about why in a few moments. Yes, right. Yeah. I so, just had to say that up front. No, no, that's good. He's persecuting the gypsies, though. Yes, um, absolutely. Pursuing one of them, particularly a woman who's holding a baby. We know it's a baby. Right. Frollo does not. Well, and Clopin's telling the story. He's saying it's beginning with these four frightened gypsies, and they're trying to get out of the city. Right. They are. They obviously know they've got to get out of there. Yeah, and he sees her carrying, Frollo sees this woman carrying... Um, a bundle. Just what he sees as an item or something. Yeah, he thinks it's stolen goods. He accuses her of theft. Uh, she runs to the church. He's pursuing her. Uh, she runs to the church begging the church for sanctuary. And the reason why this is important is because during this time, yeah, uh, it's a legal safe place for those who go in and declare sanctuary. You know, uh, The law basically has no jurisdiction over the church. Right, in this particular remember, yeah, place. It's 15th century. Right. right? And, and, uh, like you couldn't run into a church today if you committed a crime or if you were being pursued by law. No, they'd person. come get you. <laughs> no, they would come get you, right? Yeah. They, uh, and, you know, this is the Catholic Church, too. This is, again, the 15th it's, century. There are different, there are different things at play. And, uh, one thing during this scene that I, that I noticed, uh, again, as an adult, you notice so much more. And there's a lot of Latin being sung in the background. And when you're a kid, you're like, ooh, the music's intense. Cool. But I looked up the lyrics. And all that's all the the Latin that's being sung while Frollo is in hot pursuit of this poor woman. Yeah, it's Day of Judgment. Sure, you know the you know all this all this really intense imagery. Um, 
and just just the words are really intense because and those words follow Frollo throughout the film. Right. They you know all this DS yeah. Ere you know Day of Judgment, uh, Kyrie Eleison, God have mercy. So right. it's just really you. It's it's meant to be religiously focused. Right. Yes. And that's that again. And so we'll very bring. Important. So we're going to bring up religion a lot in this only because the the movie. Uh, makes it to where it's almost a character. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and but, but before, so before the woman can make it in, Frollo gains on her. Uh, he he pulls the, the bundle, yeah. the child. We know it's a child. He pulls the bundle from her. It causes the woman to fall. He on. kicks her in the face. Yeah, and she. That's do- right. Yeah. yeah, he he kicks her in the face. She falls on the stone steps. Yeah, and she dies. And like dies. The, the the fall kills her. It's horrific. Frollo then realizes that what he has taken from the woman is a child, and he considers killing it. Like he looks over and no, sees he a well. No, well, he, well, he looks he, at he it. He looks yeah. at it and says, it's a monster. Okay, yeah. And then he sees a well. And so so what I told Toby when we were watching this, I said, you notice that the mother was protecting, she, she was willing to die for this child. Yeah. So it didn't matter to her what that, this child looked like. Right. He, she loved him. He, him calling it a monster means there's obviously something physically different about the child. Yes, and he, was, he, was, he, he had no bones about dropping it in the well. Right. Uh, and I, I missed him calling it a monster, I, but but I know he says something a, a few moments later that yeah. I caught. Right, uh, but I missed that. Sorry. I'm obsessed with the movie, so yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, he he considers throwing it in the well, but before he can do so, he's confronted by uh, a name. He, he's unnamed, but he's the archdeacon. Yes, uh, he's played by actor David Ogden Stiers. Who David Ogden Stiers? Stiers, and he played Cogsworth okay. in Beauty and the Beast. There we go. And he also played Percy and Radcliffe in Pocahontas. So, again, another 90s Disney yeah. voice icon. Right. So the Archdeacon sees the, all, all this. He saw it all. And, yeah, we don't know from where, but, but he saw but it. He, he comes in. He condemns Frollo. Frollo's response is that he's guiltless, uh, which, you know. Th- which that, a man like this, obviously, we're not, we're not surprised. Yeah, he's deluded. Uh, the Archdeacon pronounces judgment on Frollo, telling him that though men may believe him, the eyes of Notre Dame have seen his crime. And I, the church, again, is also kind of like... And this is... The, people... I, I remember watching lots of special features on this movie because, again, obsessed. Yeah. The artists of the cartoon went to Notre Dame mm-hmm. and sketched the entire... Right, okay. The entire cathedral. Oh, wow. And so all of the artistry is based on the actual place. Yeah. So when they... This scene that Toby's describing with the statues, it's all based on the actual, you know place yeah he says the eyes of notre dame have seen it he goes other men may believe that you're guiltless and and this may be swept away yeah, you know you can't run from this but the basically. eyes of notre dame have seen what you've done and he looks up and he sees all the statues and it looks like they're watching him it's yeah kind of, and i did have nightmares about this i had to call my mom and get brought home from a sleepover because oh. i dreamed about the statues right. <laughs> and, and, I, and i think the statues and, and god are uh, excuse me not the statues but the church yes the, the physical church and god Mm-hmm. Are interchangeable. So ultimately, it's like saying, "Look, you know, a higher power has seen what you've done. Right? You're not going right. to be able to escape it." And Frollo looks, and and he's frightened. Yeah, he, he, for, he for does. One, yeah, Clopin says for one time in his life, yeah, he's actually scared for the state of his soul. Yeah, and and he asks what he must do. The archdeacon tasks him with caring for the child. Frollo agrees. He calls the child misshapen. He says, "You know, a foul creature." Yeah. And again, again, adding to the fact that obviously there's something physical about this child that would lead him to say that. Yeah, and uh, go ahead. Even, but even with this task, and even with his, you know, penance, he says, even this foul creature may yet prove one day to be of use to me. He's still yeah. looking for 
okay, I don't want to do this, but maybe one day I can use him. Right. So he commands him to be kept and locked away in the church. Like, Frollo's not going to be responsible for him. He doesn't care about it. Or let anyone know that he has a, quote-unquote, misshapen child. Right. He doesn't care about him. No. So for him, it's like, you know, I'm not going to take care of him. I'm not going to change his diapers. I'm not going to raise him. Just keep him locked away in the church. Mm-hmm. And and I'll see that he, and I'll, you know, I guess come in and check on him. Right. You know, but, you know, that. no more than is comfortable for him. Right. Uh, he names the child, though, Quasimodo. And Clopin <laughs> asserts through his storytelling and puppetry that this child, you know, tw- now we're back in present day. Yeah. 20 years later is now a man. And this is the man who rings the bells of Notre Dame. Yes. And then we have the big title. You know, the yeah. hunchback of Notre and Dame. And the, the beautiful fanfare of music, the, the right. choral, like, piece. It's gorgeous. And Clopin, <laughs> gosh, I hope, I'm glad I don't have to say his name a whole lot. I don't uh, think, yeah, we're good. He is indeed correct, because we, you know, we're in the church, it's, it's 1482, it's, it's, we're now in the, we're now moving along w- presently with the story. Uh, Quasimodo is the, indeed is the child. Yes. That, that grew up to be the man who rings the bells. Right. And this is where we get the lines that you spoke. You know, you know, here's a riddle to guess if you can. You know, who, what makes a monster and what makes a man. Right. And that so really. So that's what we're meant to be left with. Yes. Um, Quasimodo, Tom Hulse. Uh, he's a kind, gentle man. And this is where he dwells, which is like kind of like in the upper, like the belfry, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's lonely, though not alone. Um, and, Arguably, but before we get into that, I uh, <laughs> just want to describe him. He, okay. he he's a, a stout man. He's short. He's stocky. He has a hunchback. He has a physical um, right. The, the, the hunchback, hence, which hence the title. Yeah, and an abnormality uh, and, and a facial abnormality. Right, and I think we should point out we this is based on the book yeah. by Victor Hugo, The uh-huh. Hunchback of Notre Dame. You're right. Uh, obviously, it doesn't follow the the book because the book is much more tragic. But this is Good, based yeah. on a book by Victor Hugo. Yeah. So again, he's not alone because he has friends. Because you know, in a Disney uh, cartoon animated movie, right? I mean, Cinderella uh, had rats. He's right. got a. He's, he's got, got other friends. He's got three gargoyles. <laughs> yeah, just like Mulan had Mushu, and you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. You got to have some sidekicks, right? Whether they actually speak or not. Yeah. So he's surrounded by three gargoyles that are very friendly. Uh, Victor is one. Hugo is the second, uh-huh. and Laverne. Uh, Victor is. Let me scroll up for a second on my notes. Charles Kimbrough. Yes. Hugo is Jason Alexander. And Laverne is Mary Wicks. And they are his friends. They keep him company. And they're each very different. Their personalities are each very different. And yeah. something that you that I that we were talking about earlier is like we don't know if they actually have we don't know if they're alive. We don't know if their personalities are real. We don't know if it's if it's something manifesting in his mind. I mean, arguably it is. It's mm-hmm. in his mind because in his loneliness he's contrived. Well, I don't know. They were helping him at the right. end. Right. That, that's where that's where we. That's where I was like, well, this is where you know the rubber uh, yeah, meets the road with that. So it's the magic of Disney animation. Because when Frollo's around, they're not alive. Right. But when it's just him, no, they're alive because they're there for Quasimodo. Exactly. So again, um, he has friends, but but he's lonely because he longs to be with his own kind, as in people. Even though know? he knows he's different. Yes. And he's um, been fed lies about yeah, who he is. And he's he's especially sad at this point when we join him because uh, Par- Paris is preparing for the Festival of Fools. Yes. Uh, which is a yearly festival that's put on. The gypsies are 
are the big. They see, yeah, they seem to be the ones running the show. They're like the harbinger, harbingers of all the fun, right? And the frolicking that. And go that's on. important because, listen, it's a, it's a, you know, Catholicism is the main religion of this time and of this region. It's very, especially you know, historically. I'm not talking about present day, but historically, it was very rigid. Yeah. Uh, you know, it mostly and had political authority. Had exactly had political authority. So the Festival of Fools is all about letting your hair down and breaking the rules. Right. Because we keep the rules 364 days a year. Right. Except this one day, so it's a big deal, but it's also kind of like a fun scandal. You know, yeah. and it's the one day where you can be somebody else. Right. And so, so that's exciting for him. Yeah. So he's excited about it. And, and, and it's usually something he likes to watch happen. But years and years of watching it is taking a toll. He wants to go of down. Of course. There. Yeah, of course. So the gargoyles encourage Quasi once and for all to go to the festival. And he agrees. But then Frollo shows up for lunch. You know, he comes in just showing that obviously he visits him, um, you know, whether it's whether it's daily, weekly, daily, whatever. weekly, we don't know. But it, obviously he has a schedule. Yeah. Where he, you and, know, and visits. Quasimodo knows to, you know, fix everything. Right. For him. And he takes Quasimodo through an alphabet lesson where Quasimodo lets slip that he desires to attend the festival, right. which, of course, makes Frollo angry. And then we see um, how uh, we've already seen how sinister uh, Frollo is, but right. we're, we're we're going a little deeper here. But we need to see. But now we're seeing it through uh, Quasimodo's eyes, right? So, and that's important. Yeah, he tells. So he tells Quasimodo first, like you know, how, you know, you, you don't want to leave this place, right? It's safe here. Um, your mother abandoned you. Lies and and right. I've raised you, right? So so he's we, he's got major Stockholm syndrome, right? I mean, well, like, Quasimodo does. But what I'm saying is yeah. that that Frollo has lied to him about his mother mm-hmm. and. He keeps him in the church to protect him from the terrible outside world. That's Quasimodo's perspective. Yes. That's what Frollo is right. teaching him. Right, because even when they're going through their al- alphabet lesson, he says, okay, A, abomination. B, blasphemy. Right. C, like, it's, it's all these really negative connotations about the world. Yeah. And he says, you know, he because there's a part in this song where he takes him through this, and it's like a call and response. Frollo says, you're deformed. And then he says, I'm deformed. And you're ugly. Yeah, he's and repeating I'm ugly. it. And it's it's things he's obviously told him for years. Yeah, and this is why. And he's like, oh, in his kindness, he keeps me safe. It's it's so sad. Yeah, and this is why Frollo is is one of the worst Disney villains, right? It, because he knowingly does. This. Well, uh, well, not just that. It's it's. I w- I would say all the villains in Disney know yeah. that they're bad. But when we look at a guy like Jafar, he's kind of like, yeah, I'm bad. This is what I'm doing. You know. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to be a sultan. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and he's using his magic and his crafty ways to to um, to get what he wants, which is to be the sultan. Right. Uh, anything with more power, of course, with more power. Of right? course. Frollo is especially dangerous because he's using religious knowledge and the appearance of being holy, which these are things that are good. Yeah. But it's a guise for his depravity. Like yes. so Frollo's the worst villain because he's a bad guy that's pretending to be good. He's not making No. He's not he's not like I'm he's not making no bones about being bad. He's pretending to be good and he's using good things. Yeah, it's really horrible. And he's and, and he's using them and he's twisting them. Yes. To to you know, to do his own. He's the evil very thing. thing he's preaching against. Yes. He, he is absolutely 
the right. very, he is the he's the devil in the details. He is the yeah. very thing that he's like, oh, these things are bad. I'm like, no, bro, it's you. Yeah, like we know Ursula in The Little Mermaid is bad. Yeah, she ain't worried about it. She knows she's bad. Yeah, she's not saying, and that's why we kind of right. love her. <laughs> well, yeah, and Frollo is is preaching that he's good, and he's using things that are good, and he's you know trying to save the. Paris from immorality and yeah. injustice, and, and he yes, is all those right. Things. And immorality and injustice, they, those are bad things, right? So he's using, he's taking those things, and he's using them to serve himself. It's terrible. So he's not really, going, he's not good at all. He's not really going after immorality and injustice. Nah. He's immoral and, in, and and unjust. So again, the bad guys that are under the guise of good are the worst. Absolutely, you know yes. that's the point we're trying to definitely. get to. Definitely, uh, so. That's what he essentially shares with Quasimodo and, you know, basically to try to say, uh, you know, forget about this festival. Right. And, you know, he goes and, on with you his know, business. So he, say, he tells Quasimodo, this is your sanctuary. Sanctuary is a big deal. Right. And this, as we are, as you already pointed out, you know, the, the, you know, Quasimodo's mother was trying to seek sanctuary and he tells Quasimodo before he leaves, remember, this is your sanctuary, but is it right. really, you know? Right. Or is it more of a prison? Is it right? a prison? Right. Exactly. So, sanctuary and prison kind of go hand in hand with this. Yes. So then we then we leave, uh, you know, Frodo, uh, Frollo, not Frodo. <laughs> Wrong movie. <laughs> right. Frollo goes on his way, uh, and then we descend into the city of Paris, where we meet Phoebus, who is returning from active military service. He's been fighting, you know, battles and wars, you know, with the with the military, French army, and he's looking for the Palace of Justice. Right. He stops and gives money to a group of gypsies. That's the first thing he does. And yeah, the first that, thing he does, he sees them dancing, and he's like, oh, cool, neat. And he gives them some money, showing that, you know, like you said earlier, you know, when we were talking about the movie, it's like, okay, well, this show's obviously, you know, this is important because it's not like uh, Phoebus was walking uh, down the street and he looked up and saw Esmeralda. No. You know, this beautiful woman dancing. He, The first thing he did is he saw the gypsies just yeah. hanging around, and he gave them money. I didn't notice that until I was an adult. I said, you know, he didn't notice Esmeralda at first. He just saw, no. you know what? Cool, they're... They're doing their thing. He he yeah. showed that he had no problem with the gypsies, which is important. Yeah, he's just a good guy. Yeah. So he's good. Then he looks up after giving, you know, throwing some money down. He looks up and sees a woman dancing. And it, it's very clear that he is uh, taken with her. And she's gorgeous. Yeah, I she's think good. she's like the most gorgeous Disney person ever. Yeah, and, and two guards attempt to arrest her because she's a gypsy and she's out and she's dancing and she's getting you money. You know, she's and, existing. You yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So two guards attempt to arrest her, but right. uh, Phoebus foils the attempt because you know he obviously has an an immediate attraction. But also to because her. he doesn't have a problem with them. Right, that too. Uh, turns out Phoebus is a captain, and when they realize who he is, when Phoebus kind of stops it, they're like, "Oh, captain!" You know, so he commands a lot of respect in the city. Obviously, everyone knows who Phoebus is. Yeah, or at least they know his rank. Yeah, at the very least. Yeah, Phoebus has been summoned. The reason why he's there is, unfortunately, he's been called back by Frollo. Who he reports to. Uh, Frollo wants someone, and the reason why he's called Phoebus back, because Phoebus has this great military record. You know, he gets it done. Yeah. And he wants someone who's going to get what he wants done. And he sees Phoebus as, you know, this guy's got a great track record. He wants him to enforce the law with a firm hand, with a specific focus on the gypsies. Yes. Frollo surmises that the gypsies have a hideout called the Court of Miracles. Very important. This is, you know, he's like, they have this place, it's called the Court of Miracles, this is where they're hiding, uh, it's, uh, he refers to it as their nest, and he wants Phoebus to help him find it, 
and eradicate. He essentially wants to perform genocide yeah, on he, this entire group of people. Yeah, yes. Yeah, he will yeah. stop at nothing, right? We're, yeah, because he, he alluded to, to Phoebus that he's been taking, quote unquote, taking care of the gypsies one by one. And which means he's killing them. Right. And uh, he, yeah, he, he basically, <laughs> he called Phoebus back from wars. I don't know what they're fighting, but wars is pretty important. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was happening a lot yeah, in I mean, during this time. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I mean, wars are pretty important. Right. To me, this is not important. Well, it's, well, it shouldn't happen at all. But you know what I mean. Like, this is not a thing you call a captain back from the war, which just shows yeah, that someone he's... who's very useful, doing very big things yeah. to bring them back for, um, you know, and he's like, you brought me back for this. You know, he's kind of like, yeah, but and you know, when he comes back, Phoebus actually walks in on him giving instructions to someone torturing someone. Right. He says, so, hey, hey, don't don't whip them too quick because then they won't feel the next. Like, so we again, just more fuel for yeah. the fire. Frollo's terrible. Frollo's terrible. Yeah. And now we go to the festival. It's festival time. Mm-hmm. Festival begins. One of my favorite scenes. And Quasimodo sneaks down to attend. He does it. You know, he he goes along with his plan anyway, which is great uh, <laughs> at first. Right. Uh, oh, gosh. We have Clopin <laughs> leading the festivities. It's all good fun. Very colorful. Yeah, which is interesting because Clopin, even though he's the narrator, he's also part of the action. So it's yeah. like he's out of time a little bit, and I love that. Yeah, he's in and out of the story. Yeah, it's enough. cool. Yeah. It's all good fun, very colorful. we got dancing, um, festivities, frolicking. It's going great. Yeah, everything's topsy-turvy. If you're rich, you're poor. If you're poor, you're rich. You know, this, yeah. this is the festival for everybody. And while Quasimodo's there, he stumbles into like a tent, this tent thing. Uh, what well, is a tent? Not a tent thing. <laughs> he stumbles into one, and he meets the woman that Phoebus helped earlier. And like Phoebus, he is taken with her. She's beautiful and she's kind. Yeah, she helps him up. She's like, just try to be more careful. Yeah, and she says to him before he leaves, nice mask or cool mask or yeah, something. Yeah, great mask. Great mask, yeah. Uh, not realizing that this is Quasimodo's actual face. Um, the woman eventually gets her introduction as she's uh, one of the headline performances of the festival. Her name is Esmeralda. Yes. This is Demi Moore. Dance la Esmeralda. Yeah. She dances and even even jumps on the lap of Frollo. Just everybody. Look, if you're there in the vicinity of this festival, yeah. you, you you're are. You're fair game. You're fair game to have. They're going to have fun with you. And, yeah. And, and this dance is a little, uh, a little racy for Disney. Yeah. It is. Yeah. She kind of <laughs> jumps on his lap. She like kisses his <laughs> nose. And Frollo appears to be outraged but by this. But then he pull, you know, she puts his hat down like, ah, yeah, not you. Know. you. Yeah, all right. Uh, one part of the festival is finding the ugliest face in Paris, yes. which they dub the King of Fools. Yes. Esmeralda dances around. She's kind of like facilitating. She's pulling masks off she's people. She's the Vanna White of the occasion. Yeah. She gets to Quasimodo, and she tugs at his face, and she realizes, that, to her shock, that he's not wearing a mask, that you know, th- his this face. is his face. The crowd is shocked as well. And this all happens in front of Frollo, and of course he he, he rec- knows exactly he, who it is. He knows exactly who it is. This is Quasimodo, uh, and we know this is going to be terrible eventually. Uh, Clopin saves the day. He crowns Quasi the King of Fools. He kind of comes in and says, "Hey, we found him." And then, yeah. the, so just to show you how this this crowd works, first they're they're mocking Quasimodo. Yeah, they're not good. They're people. Then Clopin, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I guess it, what they would call a mob mentality. It, absolutely, you know? they go with whatever uh, the Clo- big emotion is. Yeah, Clopin's like, "Hey, we found him." They're like, "Yeah, they're back," uh, and they're carrying him. Uh, Quasi- Cheering for him. They're chanting his name. Yeah, Quasimodo's uh, moto. Quasi- <laughs> Quasimodo's moved to tears by this. I know. It, it, this is like what he's always wanted, and but the problem is, is that this is way too early in the movie for this to be happening <laughs> and for it to be good. 
Um, It goes terribly wrong. The guards, who are uh, under Frollo's... And they're trash people. Yeah. They begin throwing tomatoes at him. And the crowd then goes right back to joining in. Laughing. And this this scene, I remember seeing it when I was a kid and being like, whoa. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't see it. I was really like... I was over... Because I'm an empathetic person. This was a lot for me because I felt so terribly for Quasimodo because we've already met him. We know he's sweet. We know he's kind and loving... And all he's wanted is to be with people, and there, I mean, it's it's like a torture scene. Yeah, he's, they've got him pinned down. And yeah, yeah, they eventually tie him up. It's and, really horrific. Again, this and this is what we were saying earlier. This is, yes, it came out in the '90s. Yes, it was billed a kids' movie, but it's really not. Right. It's this really is, intense. This is intense. Yeah. And this scene and the the music, just everything's. And Frollo turns his head. He yeah. literally is like, nah, right. a lesson needs to be learned here. Yeah, well, he he calls for Frollo to help. And, he does. And, he, and, and Phoebus is like, let me stop this. Phoebus doesn't like it. No. Uh, you know, uh, Frodo, uh, Frollo, Frollo, this is probably going to keep happening. Frollo is like, no, a lesson needs to be learned. He turns away. Cro- Quasimodo's qu- uh, crying out for him. Esmeralda, however, steps up, gets up, stops it, apologizes. And, yeah. Though I didn't like how she turned around and said, you, you've you hurt this poor creature. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, okay, he's a person. I'm like, writers, you didn't get that. Like, as soon as I heard her say that, I went, oh, no, no, don't Yeah, do you re- literally out loud, he was like, no. <laughs> like, he's a person. And he's a person. Then she says, you've hurt this boy. Because yeah. now you have to understand, Quasimodo's 20. Yeah, he's young. He, he is a boy. And, and yeah, we don't, I don't, they don't actually give us Esmeralda and I mean, Phoebus' yeah. ages. We don't really know how old they are, but... It's it's not far fetched to say that she's older than him. Yeah, I would say she like she was maybe in her late twenties. Yeah, and um, uh, it the fact of the matter is though, no one stood up against this cruelty. Yeah. but her. Yeah, she did. Yeah, and she was not deterred by the the filth they had put on him or anything yeah. like that. She was like, "This is not supposed to be what's happening." Yeah, I think the creature comment honestly was just not great writing. No way, uh, it but, wasn't. But, but it was she, insensitive. But, but, but removing that, Esmeralda is the hero here. Uh, publicly standing up for Quasimodo, rebuking Frollo. She rebukes Frollo for his, uh, for his cruelty and calls him a fool publicly, which is yeah. She's and she says, you know, I'm. She basically stands up. She goes, "You're cruel to those, but most in need of your help." And then she justice. You know, she yeah, stands up with her little dagger, screams justice, and that's like that kind of becomes her, you know, mantra throughout mm-hmm. the film. So Frollo has Phoebus arrested. Uh, excuse me. What am I saying? Frollo has Phoebus to get, you know, to have her arrested. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Frollo's <laughs> like, hey, arrest her. Uh, but she avoids capture due to, she's got these clever tricks, you know. She's, she's yeah. You could say it's magic. I don't know if it's magic, but it's, it's Maybe tricks. it is. Yeah. Either way. Either way, he's like, oh, no, witchcraft. She's very slippery. Can't get her, They can't get a hold of her. She's like disappearing and real quick. And She's just smart. Yeah, she also has the help of other gypsies, and Phoebus is loving it. Well, he's and she's watching. a crowd favorite, too. Right, and Phoebus is watching it, and he's like, this is great. Yeah. Like, I love this woman, yeah. and she's getting away from <laughs> us, and this is great. Uh, Frollo is enraged, though, and he commands Phoebus, like, you've got to find her. We've got to find this woman. Yeah. And, of course— And it's clear it's about his pride. Oh, yeah, definitely. It has nothing to do with that she's an actual problem. All right, no. Uh, Quasimodo, of course, is still, you know, covered in tomatoes and, you know, and— uh, he looks up at Frollo. Frollo looks down at him very angrily, very, you know, very... Just terrible. Yeah. And Quasi walks in shame back to the church where he's secretly followed by Esmeralda. Phoebus sees it. He sees her. She's wearing like a like a little cloak. The and, same cloak she was wearing when he gave her the coins right. in the beginning. And he he see, knows so he knows her. that's her. 
Yeah, so he puts it together, and he follows her in. Not to capture her, but to apologize. And Esmeralda isn't having it at no, first. she ain't having and it. And she, she you know, puts up a fight, and again, Phoebus is like, this is great. Because she's spicy. She's my girl. Yeah, and Phoebus loves it. <laughs> he convinces Esmeralda that he means her no harm, and then there's a clear, we see that there's a clear mutual attraction between the two. It's not just one way. It's not just Phoebus to Esmeralda. It's right. clear that she likes him. Well, and she noticed it in the, in the, yeah. you know, the scene where they met. She noticed, like, hey, he gave me back the coins he saved me she, right she should but, know he's good but it's clear she's into him yes Fro- i mean arguably yes he's yeah. cute. frollo then enters and phoebus claims he cannot arrest as uh, arrest esmeralda because she's claimed sanctuary even though she didn't he tries to get her to but she doesn't say it but then when frollo walks in he goes oh she said sanctuary i can't do anything so yeah. frollo leaves but not really he yeah, walks he hides off behind some pillar yeah and waits for phoebus to leave before grabbing Esmeralda from uh, Esmeralda, he gets her in like an arm bar. Yeah, yeah. And threatens her, but then he smells her hair, Ugh. which Ugh. shows that well, right. But this is important. It is. It because, is. It's just gross because it shows that Frollo, he's a, into her. particularly with Esmeralda, isn't about capturing her because she's she's a gypsy. He's obsessed with her because he has a desire for her. Yeah. This uh, this man of the cloth. This you know right. Pious, well, quote unquote, yeah, pious supposedly, guy. Right. Yeah. yeah, he's trash. He leaves. Frollo does leave because there is nothing he can do. The archdeacon shows up. and He's like, "No, what are you doing?" And he you says, know. "Don't you?" He, well, yeah, he he because he reminds him. He goes, "Minister Frollo learned long ago to respect the sanctity of the church." And then we, the audience, are brought back to, "Oh yeah, that's right. The last time you did this, it was also right. with a gypsy, and it was Quasimodo's mother." And the archdeacon knows Frodo uh, Frollo, as you said, uh, is terrible. Yeah. So uh, once he leaves, he comforts Esmeralda. He's genuine. Now, th- this is a, a man This who, is important, Yeah, too. this is a man who, the archdeacon is important because he represents someone in the church who has a genuine faith and really does do their best to live uh, their life well. And he cares about her. Like, you know, again, like we, we are seeing quickly that, well, at least as far as Frollo is concerned, the, the gypsies have no place in the church. That is, that is, he's just killing them. Yeah, he yeah. He doesn't care about them. The the yeah. you know this archdeacon he puts his arm around her and he's talking to her just like anybody. Yeah, and I, to me that was important. Yeah, it is important. He's a man of faith that has mercy. Well, because if 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 it weren't if the archdeacon were not in the story, yeah, it would it would the, the church and you know would would be entirely bad. It would be completely villainous. And and the archdeacon is there to remind us that there are good people. Yes, that are people of faith. Yes, and he, and that's so important. Yeah, and he comforts Esmeralda. And genuinely encourages her to seek God while in the church. And she sings a song called God Help the Outcasts. Yes. Which is a, a wonderful... Uh, Beautifully moving song. Yeah. And it's a wonderful part of the story. And the song's interesting um, because it's it's uh, we see during the song Esmeralda singing. But then there's a part of the song where people in the church are singing. They're praying. And they're asking God for blessings for themselves. Like, I want love. I want fame. I, I want, want wealth and yeah, all this. Right. And it's juxtaposed with Esmeralda asking God to help others, which is a lesson, you know, to say that, you know, what uh, what true, uh, according to the church and, and Christianity and what what the message is, regardless of what you believe, right. the message of Christianity has, has always been and, always, and be. always should be, yeah. it always should be uh, to— to esteem others is more important than yourself. Yes, and to love others and care for others and, and show mercy. Here's Esmeralda, who, for all we know, might be her first time in a church, and she understands. Uh, she understands what the church teaches more than 
Yes. Pro- all the people who probably go there all the time. Right, whether she even knew it or not. Right, and that's, so, so that's important. It's impor- really a beautiful song. I, I cried right. the first time I heard right. it. Right. So that that's just a, a really powerful message that is in there. Yeah, and, and really you know, sweet. That it isn't about, you know, we, you know, being religious or, or, or going to church because this is going to help me. It's what actually helps you is getting outside of yourself and helping others. Yes. It's, it, it, when you think about yourself less and you're thinking of others, you find that you're getting fulfilled. Right. So um, we're already, and one thing I talked to Toby about when we were watching this, I said there's two, there, there's two opposing forces in this, in this um, movie, and it's justice versus mercy. And they're, they're not, both of those things are actually good things when they're working in tandem. Because right. there should be justice. Mm-hmm. Things that are bad should be brought to justice. And at the same time, we should also show mercy. But Frollo represents justice completely without yeah, mercy. Yeah, no mercy, right. And Esmeralda, Quasimodo, the archdeacon, they represent that mercy that, again, the church is supposed to represent. Right. And throughout the film, you see this intertwined. Yeah. And it's really, really interesting. Yeah, so after Esmeralda, Esmeralda sings the song, she, she continues to roam the church, and she finds Quasimodo in the belfry. He's been he's been listening to her singing. Yeah, and she's enchanted and intrigued uh, after you know they meet, and and she's really just uh, she truly has a genuine care for him, uh, lo- loves him for his kind nature and his creativity. He's 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 fashioned uh, figurines of people around the town, and they're so intricate. And yeah, and we've so- seen that in his previous song out there. He he talks about his you know how right. he wishes he could be part of the town, and she's just like, man, right, like you're. He, this is probably the first time in his life he's ever been complimented by another person. Yeah, so she sees him as truly a beautiful person. He shows for the Bells of Notre Dame. He's named them all, and, you know, he, this is what he's done for years. He shows her, finally, the view of Paris from his room, and, and they become immediate, very close friends. Uh, but Esmeralda wants to leave. He's like, look, you could stay here forever with me if you want. But she's like, no, because... I'd rather have freedom than sanctuary. Right. Well, because Frollo, something Frollo said to her is gypsies don't do well inside stone walls. And what that means is you're trapped. Yeah. You need, you know, she's saying, I can't, I can't be trapped. Right. And she, and you know, they, they have a nice conversation about how he says, you know, well, you know, you're not like other gypsies. You're not evil. Right. She's like, well, he told you that? Yeah. She's, and and so that she, you know, she reads his palm and, you know, does all this stuff. And she's like, maybe Frollo is wrong about both of us. Yeah. She, she's hurt when, when Quasimodo. Yeah. He's been fed these lies. Repeats Frollo's talking points about gypsies and calls himself a monster. Yes. And and she says, look, you know, again, yeah. Yeah. He's like, she, she's basically challenging. And this, that's why this is such an important film, especially now that when we watch it, like she's challenging his worldview, which is fed to him by Frollo. She's like, listen, the world's bigger than that. Right. And Quasimodo, in the end, helps Esmeralda escape. Uh, and she invites him, won't you come with me? And he's like, no, because he still feels mm-hmm. uh, indebted. It's hard to break out of that. Well, again, he was lied to by yeah. Frollo about his mother. So he truly believes he has a debt to him. Yeah. Regardless of how he is. he's and like he's a good man. In, Quasi's, in Quasimodo's mind, he saved my life, right? He's completely entirely wrong, but he doesn't know that. He was, you know, again, His raised. His intentions are beautiful. So, they're, not, they're not bad. So he refuses to go with Esmeralda, but she gives him a necklace. You know, it's a very interesting looking necklace. And she says, you know, we'll find each other yeah, again. Yeah, when basically. you wear this woven band, you hold the sit in your hand. She's yeah, like, if you ever that's need, important. She said, if you ever need sanctuary, because remember, sanctuary and prison, 
those are two things that get intertwined. And, you know, Frollo says that the church is his sanctuary. She says, but if you ever actually need sanctuary, right. when you wear this woven band, you hold the city in your hand, and that yes. will come into play later. Right. So Quasimodo goes back, and then he runs into Phoebus, who was looking for Esmeralda. And Quasimodo initially, again— He's like, man, get out. Yeah, he attacks Phoebus— where we see that he has formidable strength. He's really strong. Yes, Quasimodo. and cr- crazy strong. Yeah, like stronger than Phoebus. Like Phoebus wouldn't stand a chance no. <laughs> uh, in, in an altercation with Quasimodo. It just, you know. Um, Phoebus is able to convince Quasimodo, though, that he's not a threat and only wants Esmeralda to know that he was looking out for her. He wasn't trying to, you know, rat her out or get her trapped in the church. And he praises Quasimodo for being a good friend to Esmeralda. You know, just says she's lucky to have a friend like you. Showing that, you know, look, you know, I think you're a good guy. Yeah, and Phoebus is a good guy. And we're, Phoebus we're, is a good guy. Yeah. We're shown that, okay, Phoebus, we can trust this dude. Yes. We then go to Frollo. This is very important. Well, first, you know, Quasimodo's love struck. And, uh, well, yes. And he's, you know, oh, I, I, I might have seen Heaven's Light oh, and yes. all this stuff, and it's sweet, but, you know. Yeah, well, yes, it, it's... Yeah, I didn't mean to glaze over that. Well, no, no, it's I, fine. I, I was getting to the part later, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it anyway, but yes... Quasimodo is truly falling in love with, uh, has fallen in love with Esmeralda. Right. And that's a problem because we've already seen what's going on with Esmeralda and Phoebus, right. so that's already stressing us out. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Uh, but then we go to Frollo. This is very important. This is, yeah. And we find, uh, I think we, we finally really get neck deep into his delusion. Yeah. Uh, he's completely deluded, as in he believes he's completely righteous yeah, he's flawless he sings he's singing a song he sings to god about his own self-righteousness and he's troubled that uh, uh, by his attraction to esmeralda now you know when we think of a man being really attracted to a woman that's natural right but again uh frollo is looking through everything in an incredibly twisted way. So he looks, he's not just attracted, he's obsessed. Right, he's obsessed, but still he he he's for a moment just like uh in the song, he's like saying, Oh, you know, how could I have such terrible, you know, burning desire in me? And I'm like, Well, that's normal. Yeah, and this is another <laughs> I mean, scene it's that's normal very to be attracted. Intense. It's normal to be attracted to a woman. It's not normal to be obsessed with someone right. like Frollo is, but I'm just saying that this is what happens to somebody, you know, that deludes themselves so crazy. Yeah, this is we're viewing this through a madman, right? Oh this, yeah. So it ultimately, this song goes from him singing about his self self righteousness to uh, to culminating in in realizing that he has a mad obsession over Esmeralda, like he wants her. And in the song, the song is entitled Hellfire, so that should tell you something right there. But he is not only talking about his attraction, he says, it's not my fault. You know, it's, it's, it's her fault. It's her fault for right. being a woman and being attractive. It's her fault. Yes, that's and, the... And a lot of the song uh, in, in Latin, you hear mea culpa, mea culpa, which is my fault or my guilt. Yep. Um, and it's these really scary apparitions that, are, that appear while he's singing in these red cloaks and crosses. And it's just so foreboding. And it shows how, to me... It shows how Frodo sees faith. Frodo. Frollo. Golly, you no, got okay. me now. Frollo. It shows how Frollo sees faith. And he sees it as something formidable and something punishable, something really horrific, and that's not what it was ever meant to be. Right. But that's not. how he views it. And that's so dangerous, and obviously it has incredibly dire consequences. Yes, yes, because he decides, uh, Frollo does, that she will choose to be with me or she will die. 
which has nothing to do with faith. That has to do with his lust. All right, yes. Uh, so he then personally begins searching for Esmeralda. Like, yeah. not just, you know... It's, like, find the gypsy girl. I don't care what we got to do. Right, but not just, you know, sending men out. He's going to. Yeah. And uh, this culminates in him burning down a home of an innocent family. Yeah. Uh, he orders Phoebus to do it. Phoebus, with the family in it. With the family in it. Yeah, he's going to kill him. And, and they have no... They're, they're not even suspects, really. And, yeah, no. It's <laughs> just like, you know, I know you've helped people before. You've given people shelter or something like that. And he goes, yeah, but I don't know who this is. And, and you know, who you're tell, talking about. he tells about. the family, okay, well, we'll investigate it and it'll be right. fine. And then he closes it and he says, burn it down. Yeah, so Phoebus refuses. He's like, I am not doing that. Yeah. Uh, so Frollo does it. And the house goes up in flames. Uh, Phoebus rescues the family, though. Thank and this, this gets him into trouble. Frollo has him arrested. But Esmeralda was there. She wasn't in the house. She was outside watching. She I don't was think hiding. She, she had her cloak on in the crowd. Yeah, she was in the crowd. She wasn't. So they weren't lying to him. They were innocent. Yeah, they were. Uh, but so Esmeralda sees this and she helps um, uh, Phoebus escape. Uh, but while he's escaping, Phoebus, uh, the, you know, they're shooting arrows at him and stuff. He gets one in him. Yeah, and he gets hit. He falls in a river. And again, they haven't seen Esmeralda yet. She's kind of intervening but also you know trying to stay undercover yeah but she's able to to get him out of the river and we then see areas we have this this wide shot all these areas of paris are burning because this is what frollo's doing yeah i mean paris find, is literally burning yeah uh frollo then stops and surmises because he's clever that quasimodo likely had a hand in her getting out of the sanctuary yeah he's like there's 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 literally no other way she could have gotten out he knows yeah that quasimodo is kind-hearted you know he knows all these things yeah. he uses them for himself uh, meanwhile in the church the gargoyles this is where i was getting to yeah uh, are encouraging quasimodo saying hey look and i it's sad it's Ugh. a fun song but this is so sad because the gargoyles are like dude she's gotta be in love with you you're great and he is great. He is. So the the whole song is about how Quasimodo is wonderfully different and unique from most men. Like you know, uh, yeah, these other guys are dime a dozen. You're you're in a, yeah, you're unique, and that's all true. But the sad thing is, is that she's already in love with Phoebus. We know that she's in love with Phoebus, not because she's um not because she's put off by Quasimodo because she's just in love with Phoebus. Yeah, she so, already you know. was falling for him before she met. Well, before she really encountered. Yeah. On a personal level, Quasimodo. So, but but we see with Quasimodo and the gargoyles that they're like, it's you know, you're you're just you're one in a million. Yeah, she she's gonna love you. Oh, you know, it hurts. And interestingly enough, right after the song, literally the moment yeah. the song is over, in walks comes, as yeah. in walks Esmeralda with Phoebus, but she's not alone. Yeah, she is with Phoebus, of course, who's injured, and she needs Quasimodo's help. And Quasimodo is so easily uh, able to set his feelings aside. Uh, and and he helps and, and he helps. Her. Well, he's able to set them aside and do what's important, which yeah, is to help Phoebus. But he's hurt. Uh, well, he watches uh, Esmeralda and Phoebus share a moment alone. She's like sewing up his wound, and then they kiss, and that's heartbreaking. I know. And yes, he's sad about it, of course, because he's a man and he's in love. He uh, is in love with her. I know. Um, you know, but we don't really have time to stay in this moment because... Which is good because it's sad. Yeah, no, it's good. But uh, <laughs> we're interrupted by Frollo. Frollo arrives, Esmeralda gets out, and she, and uh, Quasi promises to keep Phoebus safe. Of course he does. Because he's an angel. Yeah, Frollo comes under the auspices of having a meal with Quasimodo, but he's really just there to interrogate him. Yeah. He accuses Quasimodo correctly of letting uh, Esmeralda escape. Because he, he notices that... Um, 
Quasimodo has added a new figurine yeah, to his to collection. Display, and and a, it is Esmeralda. Esmeralda. Right. So he's like, you helped her escape. But Frollo's it. unbothered. He's like, that's ah, okay. Because he says it's of no consequence because he knows where the Court of Miracles is and he plans to attack. But this is clearly a ruse because he tells Quasimodo and he walks off and he kind of smirks. And then we're all like, the dramatic irony. So the audience know, knows something yeah. the characters do not. So we know this is a trap. We know it was just the classic... He told them he's going to do this so he can see what they do and so he can follow them there. And, you know. But Phoebus wakes up from his stupor and overhears Yeah, he's like, we've got to go and tell them. And Quasimodo's in despair, though, because he still doesn't know the truth of his origins. He's torn between his friends, Phoebus and Esmeralda, and the life he's always known. Yeah, what he's been taught since infancy. still feeling indebted to uh, Frollo. Yeah. But... He decides to go because we know that in the end, Quasimodo is going to do the right thing. Absolutely. Um, so he goes with Phoebus. Turns out the necklace that Esmeralda gave Quasimodo is a map to the Court of Miracles. It, it shows like its um, its its uh, location. It, sh- it shows the cathedral. Yeah, it shows the cathedral, which is like I think a little cross. And then a river, I and think. Then it, it, well, yeah, it's got these intricate designs, yeah. but it, it shows exactly how to get to the Court of Miracles, uh, which is not any place you could see on a normal day because it's underground. It's located in catacombs. Yes. it's You had to go to the graveyard you had to go, yeah. and into a grave that led them to the catacombs. Right. And Phoebus and Quasimodo go there, and they are immediately captured by gypsies who are ready to put them to death. And, and in the middle... Yeah, like guards, and, basically. And, being le- and leading the, the, the whole thing is <laughs> Clopin. He's like, oh, th- this is, you know... So, With another catchy song about yeah, the Court of Miracles. He goes from out, outside the story, guiding us to inside the story, saying, hey, we've got to protect our people. We've got to protect our secret. This is this is our hideout. We've got to get rid of these guys. They're spies. Right. Of course. No matter know, what they say. Esmeralda comes in and, of course, says, no, look, the, the, you're wrong. These guys are friends. This the, Both of them saved my life. And, um, of course, before we can really enjoy yeah. everything... Um, Frollo, of course, has enacted his plan. Captain that, that we all knew was going to happen. Yeah. He essentially followed them there. They did exactly yeah, what we, he wanted. Yeah, you know, the smirk was exactly what we thought. He was going to follow them. Yeah, and 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 just to say, because you know, Phoebus is such a fantastic guy. Uh, when him and Esmeralda embrace after yeah. being reunited, uh, Phoebus looks over and sees Quasimodo looking sad, and he and he kind of backs off. And I just think that's such a... It was very sweet. Just such an ace thing to do. He's such a great guy. Yeah, he was like, okay, obviously, I know you're into her. I'm into her. You know, and you're uncomfortable right now because you have feelings for her. So I'm not going to make this a romantic moment. I'm going to... And he goes, hey, hey, don't thank me. Thank Quasimodo. It's just... It was just so sweet. Yeah. And that happened right before Frollo showed up. So Frollo shows up and he captures all three. He sentences Phoebus and Esmeralda to be executed. Quasimodo is sent back to the church and chained up. And now we are building to the, the apex of, yeah. yeah, this is the the most intense part of the movie, which yeah. the whole movie is intense. It is, yeah. But this part is just, whew. Yeah, so Phoebus is in a cage. Esmeralda specifically is, is uh, kind of the focus of this execution because... She's tied to a stake. She's right. about to she's get burned. She's the object of his affection. So and, she's she's you know. being she's being you know when you think about being burned at the stake, it's almost like a like a heathen type yeah reaction. And and that's and that's the guise he's putting on it. Mm-hmm. But really, he could care less if she's a gypsy or not. He just 
physically wants her. Right. So Frollo has her, you know, tied up, tied to the stake, you know. She's yeah. got like the the It's really scary. The kindling all around her. Yeah, it's like I remember being a kid and be like, Oh my god, oh my god. Like yeah. what what is happening right now? Yeah, and he gives I've never seen anything like this. He gives her one last shot to choose him or be burned at the stake and she spits in his face. Good girl. And Frollo lights the pyre. And it's, I mean, again, like, I know I'm an adult watching this, but when I watch it as an adult, I still have, like, my kid, you know, feelings right. about it. It's so traumatic. Yeah. Because, now, the, again, it's the music, the, the you know, the choir voices. And, yeah, that makes it so much and larger. And the fire goes up in his evil demon face. It's just, woo, yeah. it's bad, man. So Quasimodo is watching all this. He's chained and he's he's forced to watch it. Or he's you know. hearing it because he can't quite see Oh, it. I thought he could see it. My bad. So he's up in the church, but he's chained up. Yeah. But, and he's given up at this point. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm beaten. Right. Frollo has won. But everything's terrible. But when he knows what's about to happen, mm-hmm. you know, and, and again, the fire's been lit. So the smoke's kind of, Esmeralda's being overcome by the smoke. Yeah. Uh, and she's about to die. Uh, Quasimodo, in his rage, he breaks the chains. That, Literally the chains. Like, yeah. It's incredible and, and almost kind of scary. Like it's like he has he's like I'm all out of cares yeah. to give. I'm I'm ready to go to war. And then in Spider-Man fashion, <laughs> he swings down. Yes. And saves an unconscious Esmeralda. He he gets her, he saves her, Frollo sees it and he's outraged. And the crowd cheers. So he swings down, gets her, then swings back up to the church and holds her before all of Paris and screams sanctuary. Ugh. And that's one of the, that's my favorite part of the Ugh, movie. I yeah. get emotional every yeah. single. I've watched this twice, this scene twice today, and I tear up every yeah. single time. The problem is though, Frollo has lost his mind. Oh yeah, he's gone. But this becomes his undoing. So he now attempts to break into Notre Dame, which again, understand fifteenth century. You this know, is sanctuary. You cannot do this. You could not legally do this. And but he's like break down the doors. Phoebus escapes from his cage during this time in, in, in the craziness. And he's rousing the crowd. Yeah, well, because he says, look at what Frollo's done. Yeah, he's he's waged war. Because he, he says, I remember, he says, he's waged war on Notre Dame herself. And that waging war on Notre Dame, the church, that was like, oh, my God. You're yeah, waging war on God. That, right. That was the whole thing. And that becomes Frollo's undoing. So he starts to attack the church. And that's what turns the people against him. And they set the gypsies free. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's on. So, but Frollo is able to make it in. Yeah. He finds Quasimodo with an injured Esmeralda. Now, he thinks she's dead. Which, by the way, in the meantime, Quasimodo has been, I mean, pulling out the stops. I mean, he's poured out, like, freaking lava on the people. Like, he is... Well, not the people, but the... No, but the the, the guards. Frollo's men, yeah. I mean, he is doing the most. Right. He is doing it to it. So, yeah, it's it's a crazy scene. It's intense. But he's... He thinks Esmeralda is dead. Um... And he's distracted. And that's a very sad scene. Yeah, and Frollo comes in. He feigns sadness, of course. He's like, oh, this is a terrible thing. And then, you know, Quasimodo's backs to him. He attempts to stab Quasimodo, who finally fights back, overpowers him easily. Yeah. And and, and basically tells him, you know, that, look, you're terrible. Yeah, he says, he said all, he's lying. And this, I told, I remember when I was, what we were watching with Toby. I said, Toby, this is the whole point of the movie right here. And he says, all my life you've taught me that the world is a cruel, dark place. But now yeah. I realize the only thing dark and cruel about it are the people like you. Right. And that's absolutely the message of the film, right. of life, of everything. What? So, yeah, and that, that answers the question, what makes a monster and what makes a man? It's their choices. It's what they decide to do. It's, it's what they decide to live for. And it's how and, – and, and, and your, your, your mercy and your, your – what, what I was about to say, which is yeah. how you treat 
others. Yes. That should be the tenets of the faith. That's what's, yeah, that's what, that's what makes a monster and what makes a man. It's how you treat others. Yep. And, um, so, so Quasimodo now has essentially broken free from Frollo by saying that, you know, very important. Esmeralda gains consciousness during this time and Quasi takes her, but Frollo is right after him. He's got a big sword at this point. He's got like a big long sword. I don't even know where that came from. Yeah, I know. To be honest, I don't even know where he got that thing. As Quasi and Esmeralda attempt to climb down the outside of the church, there's no other way out. They have to climb down the outside of it. Uh, Frollo pursues them and tells Quasimodo in his rage the truth about his mother, that she died defending him. She did not abandon him. So Quasimodo is able to, because Frollo has lost it, he just he just lets it out. He goes, you Well, know, he thinks he's about to kill Quasimodo too. So yeah. he's like, I ain't got nothing to hide anymore. Right. So... Yeah, this is just, you know, it's 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 terrible, but it's also good that he knows the truth about yeah. his mother who loved him. Yes, she you did know? love him. Yeah. So uh, he attacks Quasimodo because Quasimodo is kind of arrested by this revelation, right? Yeah, he's like, what? Yeah, so he attacks Quasimodo, nearly knocks him off the ledge of the church. So he's hanging there. But sweet Quasimodo, he won't let him go. He he won't let him fall to his yeah, doom. Yeah, they both go. He's a good man. They both fall and he catches him. So yeah. you got Quasimodo, Quasi hanging. And he's holding on to Frollo. I think he, like, gets him up on this gargoyle. Well, Frollo swings up. Yeah. He does it himself, and, and Esmeralda's got Quasi. That's right. Esmeralda's like, oh got Quasi. Yeah, and I don't want to confuse anyone. So Esmeralda <laughs> is holding on to Quasimodo, who's hanging. Quasimodo had Frollo, but Frollo swung over and grabbed this gargoyle. So now Frollo is hanging on his own. Yeah. So he's able to climb up and gain his footing. So he's standing on top of this, like, gargoyle face that's jutting out from yeah. the church. Yeah. And he holds his sword aloft and he's pretend he's he, not pretending he's preparing to deal a killing blow to quasimodo and at this point he he however they animated it he's lost his normal frollo look he looks yeah demonic. he looks he looks almost like a monster and he got says red eyes red right, mouth yeah and what is it he says because this, this is important yeah so he's standing on this gargoyle with his mm-hmm. head sticking out of the um you know the 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 they, they're pro- they were probably like almost like gutters, like those yeah. types of, of uh, gargles yeah. were meant to catch the water right. and pour out. So he's standing on it, and he holds his sword up. And what does he say? He says, "And he and he shall smite the wicked and plunge them into the fiery pit." Now that's important. He Very will important. smite the wicked and and they will, and and plunge them into yes. the fiery pit. And as he's saying that, the gargoyle cracks, mm-hmm. and then straight up, and and he falls and catches he, himself. And, and the gargoyle turns into like a freaking yeah, demon. The gargoyle, and this isn't one of this isn't Victor Hugo or no. Laverne. This is a, just another. the The gargoyle comes alive and just with a evil, sinister look, just kind of like you know, like, like roars at him. Yeah, and he falls. It completely breaks free into the molten and whatever. That's the last thing Frollo sees. He's looking into this gargoyle. So he pronounced his he pronounced his own judgment on himself. He was the wicked one. He fell into the fire. Yeah, pit. we were talking right. about. We're like, man, like it, you know, because like we said, religion and faith and God play such a huge role in this. Yeah, and yeah, but in the end, God, as he should be, yeah, pronounces the judgment on Frollo, on Frollo, through Frollo. Yes, just to go to show you that you know the bad guys say to, uh, how they're going to go. You yeah, know, it's pretty and, powerful. And it was to me, it was important because. You know, I guess in, in in most movies, you know, where there's a good guy and a bad guy, the good guy kills the bad guy. But it's beautiful that Quasimodo didn't have to have that on his hands. No. Nor it, did Esmeralda, it, it, nor did Phoebus. It was like, no, he did it himself, or 
God no, and himself fact, inserts himself into yeah. the story and and dispatches this horrible yeah. person. I mean, you can you can however you, you want to view you, it. However you want to view it, you can say it was the church. Uh, in my mind, it was it was God. It was God saying enough. Like, yeah, you're done, man. You're right, all, you're awful. Yeah, and it was just it was fitting that our heroes did not have to sully their hands. And the fact that blood. yeah, and the fact that it was an it, it was a an appendage of the church, which was this gargoyle statue, shows that the church and what the church represents mm-hmm. is not okay with what Frollo was doing. Right, and you well, know? and it, it goes back to what the archdeacon said. He said, "You never can run from nor hide what you've done from the eyes right. of Notre Dame." And I'm like, well. There it is. Actually. So yeah, it actually so, happened. So yes, there are some fro- there, there are Frollos out there, but there are also some archdeacons out there, some guys like that, and, and their Phoebuses, and right. th- th- those are those are there are good guys out there, you know, and good guys and gals out there that yes. that that uh, whatever faiths you subscribe to, they want to live well and treat others well, right? And they try to get others, and to then do there it. are others like Frollos that use those things mm-hmm. for their own ends. And, you know, it was obviously, again, very fitting to see yes. what happened to Frollo. And yes, we would have loved to have happened earlier. Yeah. But I always say nice guys finish last, but they finish best. Yeah. So now that leaves Esmeralda holding on to Quasimodo, and she's unable to hold on to him. He falls, but Phoebus is there. <laughs> Suddenly. Phoebus catches him like a couple of floors down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they eventually all three... You know, reunite. They embrace, and Quasi grabs Esmeralda and Phoebus's hands and joins them. It's very sw- bittersweet moment. Yeah, not yeah, not that they need it, but it was it it was important. Yeah, he acknowledges that he knows they love each other and he's happy for them. And uh, as much as I love Phoebus, because you can't not like Phoebus. Yeah, he's great. Uh, I love Phoebus. Uh, I also really love Quasimodo, oh, no. and I I really would have loved to have actually seen. Uh, Esmeralda fall in love with him. Oh, I, I would have liked to have seen that. I, 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 I don't know if we've ever seen it. Beauty and the Beast doesn't count because... We all knew he was a attractive prince before that, but he was, so he the, was going to turn into that. The Beast was more attractive than the dang yes, prince, Yes, he though. was. I like Yes, the, he was. Well, you know. <laughs> Sorry. That's a whole other episode. Well, shoot. There was a uh, show, just to, not to get off on a tangent because we do need to wrap up, but uh, <laughs> there was a, a TV show uh, called Beauty and the Beast. I remember that with yeah. Linda Hamilton, right? And Ron Perlman. Yeah. And he played the Beast, Vincent. Yes. <laughs> and my mom loved oh, Vincent. She was, oh, God, it's Vincent. And he was, you know, he looked kind of like an animal. You know, he had like an animal. Yeah, he was a beast. Look, yeah. But mom was like, oh, I'd love to see him just, he would always be running. <laughs> His hair, you know, and mom was like, "Oh, Vincent!" It was a good show. That, that was, was a, a good show. That was I a good it. show. I remember it. I love Linda we gotta Hamilton. Do that. I love Linda Hamilton. Yeah, and she's Ron awesome. Perlman is fantastic. Oh my gosh, you know, he's been in Hellboy, Sons of Anarchy. I've not seen Sons of Anarchy, but oh my gosh, when he is like so, he was so great as Hellboy, uh, and he was great in that show. But what I'm saying is, is that why do we love the Beast? Why do we love the Beast more? I mean, yes, he was the prince, and he becomes the prince, and fall. But why do we love the beast so much more? We watch his heart. We see it's his heart true. as the beast. It's and so true. Why did my mom love Vincent? Because you see what he does and how he is. Well, and- it's because when you watch the quote-unquote beast, whatever the beast may be, right? you're not relying on their looks. You only have their virtues. What they're doing. You only have and- what's in their heart. And there's such value right. in that. And Phoebus is tremendous. I'm not... Phoebus was a good guy. Oh no, I was. I thought he was my boyfriend. Right. When I was a kid. From the so day, it's fine. from the moment he stepped on the scene, we love Phoebus. But 
what is wrong with having this beautiful woman fall in love with Quasimodo? I'm kind of like, come on, y'all. I know. Sweet uh, I don't know. I just like, uh, did, did they feel that kids weren't ready for something like that? Who I don't knows? know. Who I don't knows? know. I don't want to get too much into it, but I would love to see a story mm-hmm. where the beast doesn't, or, or the person that looks different doesn't turn into a, a regular looking, you know, it, they, they stay. They give us a Shrek story. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> we have Shrek, but yeah. yeah. I mean, but still, yeah, it's true. She did fall in love with Shrek, you know. Exactly. Uh, it's just, that's a beautiful story. And I, I just was, so I just, I will always have a heart for Quasimodo. I know. He was, he's just, he's the best uh, of men. He really was. Yeah. So Phoebus and Esmeralda exit the church to the cheers of the people. And they're both dressed in white. Lots of symbolism. Yeah, purity. Innocence. They're going to get married one day probably. I guess. Yeah. Quasi waits behind um, because he feels that. He's, he's still, I mean, listen, if you're conditioned to believe that you're ugly and hideous and a monster your entire life, that's right. not going to go away in a day. It's just not. Yeah, but Esmeralda turns and, and, and brings him out. And we see this sweet young girl approach him, and she hugs him. And she touches his face and embraces him. It's so and then beautiful he just kind of, he kind of, you know, embraces her, just kind of falls into hugging he, her. Yeah, he looks like he's really moved. And, uh, and then Clopin, three yeah. cheers for Quasimodo. Yes, and he's, he's uh, back in the yeah. story. And the Bells of Notre Dame's uh, song plays again. As the people of Paris carry Quasimodo victoriously yes. through and the street. And reminds us, so here's the riddle. What makes a monster and what makes right. a man? And by this time, we already know. Right. The we answer, know that it's been the, answered. Yeah, the monster was Frollo. Uh, Victory, Hugo, and Laverne watch proudly and jab jokes at each other as we as we ascend into the clouds of Paris. And that's it. You know, Ugh, it's a good it's one. It's such a good movie. And we're already running over an hour, so I hate to, I you know, know, I hate sorry. to wrap it up quick. But if you've been with us, we appreciate it. We we thank you for your time. Uh, as always, I, I want to go ahead and do that now. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, it, it was a lot to unpack, uh, but we did it. We did and it. Sorry, this us, is one of my favorites, so I had a lot of things to say. No, nah, it's good. <laughs> uh, but we do need to go. Yes. Um, I, I, you know, I think we've said enough, definitely all throughout, you know, yeah, yeah. uh, I, I think I gave my, um, my little epilogue or postmortem, which is essentially, I just would have loved to have seen Quasimodo get the girl. I know. Would have loved that. I'm still going to feel that way. Always yes. will. Uh, and, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it's one of my favorite movies. I mean, even Jason Alexander, who, who voiced, you know, Hugo said himself, he did not let his children watch it when he voiced it. Because it's it was very intense. Yeah. And he knew his kids weren't ready for it. So those of you who watched as a kid and were traumatized, slashed in love with it as me, I get it. Um, it's a fantastic movie. But let me go ahead and tell you where we can be found on yeah. social media. So we can wrap um, it up. If you are on Instagram, we are at the tape store. That's where we hang out mostly. It's where we talk to you guys. So please shoot us a message. If you're on Twitter, we are the tape store pod. We're also on TikTok. At the tape store, same name. And if you'd like to shoot us an email, we'd love to hear from you. We're the tape store podcast at gmail.com. And that's pretty much all we got. Yep. This has uh, been The Hunchback of Notre Dame, 1996. Disney, if you haven't seen it, what are you waiting for? It's on Disney Plus if you want to go watch it. Yes. And if you've already seen it, see it again. <laughs> uh, and With I, new, fresh adult Whether eyes. you haven't seen it or you've already seen it, we've definitely taken you through it. So thanks for coming. And we will see you next week. Uh, for more great 80s and 90s nostalgia on the Tape Store Podcast. We look forward to having you there. Until then, this is Toby. And this is Brooke. See you, everybody. Bye. Bye.